Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had Hello, everybody. Sergeant Jackson. I'm Tom Owl. Matt Weber on the board. Back from the back from sick bay. And uh, I'm back for a little bit of a cold. We're, we're coming back from the dead, aren't we, Manny? Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Uh, the uh, S&P futures. Let me get those for a second. Up a little bit. Up 450, Nasdaq futures up 25, Dow futures up 6. We have the Fed chairman going in front of the Senate today at 9 o'clock uh, Central Time at the employment numbers this week. So we got a lot of, a lot of stuff. And yesterday was one of those kinds of days the market just kind of hung. We were, uh, as they say on the floor, it was an inside day. The S&P up 2, the Dow up 40, and Nasdaq down 13. So we just kind of wobbled. It was very boring, not much trading. Uh, so it was a good day, I guess, to be... Short premium, except nothing really came in because the the fireworks, if there are any, will be today. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of. Uh, uh, he doesn't usually get much crap from the senators, um, but the house to, house will be different. I mean, because there's people. I think people are pretty pissed off about this inflation and so forth. And I, uh, just the stuff I heard this weekend. Of course, I'm doing my research, Manny, as I always do. You know, the at the new car dealers now, they now have a finance person for repairs. Really? Is that a is that a good sign or bad? You think? Um, I would say neither. Neutral. Yes. Um, really? If you don't mind my, I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's bad. Well, it's, I guess it's it's uh good that if you got to pay that much and you don't have it, you can get the car fixed, but. It's not normally what I would think that would be in the realm of possibility of most people. Obviously, the, the, the car repair is very high, and people don't have the money. It's that combination probably isn't the best. Yeah. By the way, when you uh, had people liberated—I use that term—your uh, your lovely bride's catalytic converter. What what was the uh, what did you have to do? I know what they do on the south side. But what did you do? Well, we. Um first had to uh, go to a mechanic that could replace it and then secondly we uh, went to Napa Auto Parts or one of those stores and bought a clamp so it wouldn't happen again and had the mechanic put it on. So Alright, but you, it was readily available. like a thousand all in or yeah, 900 or something. Yeah, it was readily available but it was you know fairly expensive and blah blah blah. Yeah. Well evidently, uh, you know, our buddy's been on the show, Scott uh, the actor, the actor slash bartender from Tripoli, mm-hmm. he uh, he has his father-in-law has he, he's got a Toyota. He's the big Toyota. Must be the Sequoia. Somebody steals one of the two converters. Evidently, he's got two on there. Well, it's going to be over two months to get one. You can't drive it without it because you ruin the engine. Evidently, and uh, it's going to be like twenty-five hundred bucks. 
Yikes! And but the two months plus the, the rental car for two months because he had to drive. Means it's sitting at the dealer. Wow! Yeah, that wasn't our experience. They were, they, it was readily available. Now, you know, we're we're talking about a ten-year-old Jeep. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it was readily available. With the uh, it was like fifty bucks for the converter, and then um, I'm trying to remember a hundred bucks or or something to put it on. And then uh, we bought the clamp, which was another hundred, and then it was like a hundred to put that on. So maybe it was a little cheaper than I remember, but um, it was. I, I remember it, for some reason I was thinking it was like nine hundred all in, but I think maybe it was like five hundred all in. But they did it like same day. Oh, so okay. It, it's there was no issue with that. So you didn't go to the south side. But we don't have a big fancy car. You didn't go to the south side and buy your own converter back, right? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it was readily for sale. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I know I had to get one when I first got this truck, but it wasn't because somebody stole it. The thing broke. It was making all this racket, and it was evidently the thing busted up inside. So well, the mechanic said that um, if you have, a, for whatever reason, one of those Toyota SUVs or a Jeep SUV, um, it's like taking candy from a baby. Like, every day they have someone with a Toyota SUV or a Jeep SUV because they sit just high enough, and they're, and they're just cheap enough that, pe- that people park them on the street. They're not, like, in a garage or anything that uh, they can get in and get out in, like, less than three minutes, and they're not scared of, it. like, we were parked on Armitage, which is a pretty busy street, um, right in front of the house, and uh, they, they couldn't care less. They slid right in and were in and out in probably three minutes, and no one noticed, and they were gone. Well, let me, uh, I'm not going to give you a flash here because I think you know the situation. No one in this city that is a crook is afraid of the police. Well, that's clear. No one who's in traffic, do you have to be a crook? is afraid of the police. Nobody thinks you're going to get pulled over on the expressway because it never happens. It just this I've never seen anarchy like this in my lifetime. It doesn't matter what color you are, where you are, stop signs, stop lights, pulling in front of people, flipping people off. This is The, the chances of you even seeing a, a police officer are, are minimal, wouldn't you say? Um, I don't know. I see them everywhere. So I think they're everywhere, but they don't, I, now are they... Are they doing anything? Are they going to pursue anyone? Um, that seems to be no to the answer to that. But I see them everywhere. So they're, so how do you, they're how do you, there. I never do. I mean, I never... Well, you're in a rich area, but if you get out a little west, uh, they're everywhere. I mean, there's a there's cops going... And and we have security in our neighborhood, too, that that, that uh, the rich folks pay for that, that we benefit from, which is nice. But we have a 24-hour security patrol going around all the side streets and everything all, all day, all night. That's positive. What thirty five thousand for your taxes? You got to pay for your own police force. Yeah, essentially. Um, because we have we're right off the expressway and we're right off the Western Damon sort of bus line corridor, so people come into the, to the Wicker Park Bucktown area and basically just wreak mayhem, bashing windows and taking stuff, or just sticking up people on the streets that are walking home from. I mean, it's not. It used to be, you know, ten o'clock or later at night. Now it doesn't even seem to matter. Doesn't matter. No. Although it has slowed down the last six months, so they've they've done. Maybe that's why I'm seeing so many cops on every corner. But, um, and then and then they're gone. They're on the expressway, and no one chases them, or they're you know immediately on the Damon or Western, either driving it or or on a bus or something, and they're gone. Well, the uh, the mayor's race. I want to talk more about sports as I have you here, but the mayor's race. This is going to be the dirtiest thing I think I've ever seen in Chicago. It is absolutely a competition between, I'm not going to say left and right, but it's, it's against this 
absolute new whatever, I don't even know what you want to call the politics, that the only people that have rights are the crooks versus whatever. And I, I never thought I, in my life I would be on the same side of anything as Ken Griffin, but this is making strange bedfalls. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't get over what's happening has happened here with the idea that, that, that we can have 30 murders, not when that's 30, but we'll have how many murders a, a year and nobody cares, and if, and if one policeman shoots a gun, it's, the whole world is an outrage. I'm not saying that policemen should ever, should not be trained and should not have the, should not have the, uh, God help you if you mean you should never do anything that's wrong, but, but the idea that, that somehow the other stuff is totally ignored, the, the, you know what the carjacking uh, percentage of arrest is this year? I don't know if you saw that. I haven't seen the percentage. Well, it used to be like, well. used to be like 7 to 10, now it's 1. <laughs> I mean, somewhere along the line, there has to be some fear of getting caught, right? I mean, well, there's no doubt that if you were mayor or governor or whatever, um, in the in the last four years was your your first term, you had to. That's probably the hardest first term in the history of uh, of politics. So between a, a pandemic, sort of unforeseen. The riots and civil unrest and all that stuff, then the, then the inflation and, and the economy sort of collapsing, um, all these things happening in a in a, a four year span. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. It's almost like Rom had a had a freaking uh, crystal ball and and said and saw, somehow saw what was coming and got out of there just in time. And talk about getting out unscathed by the skin of your teeth. So I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. But but Lori just did an absolutely horrific job. Uh, in my opinion, along with um, the other cohorts of hers in, in office. And I don't know if Paul Vallis or Brandon Johnson are, is the answer, but, man, talk about having your work cut out for you. It is a disaster. Well, this whole idea of, uh, as you know, I'm always kind of a union fan, this whole idea of Chicago Teachers Union somehow running their own candidate that is still on the, is still, they're paying the guy, and, oh, by the way, they're ponying up Rumors have it, Maddie. I don't I mean I don't probably their books that they've borrowed against next borrowed against dues in the future to put this guy in there. How how, how does there not a revolt in the union? I mean, I I don't. Well, I think there is some dissent in the union. I mean, I don't know how many people are in the union. What a thousand or something. But you know what? It, it's gotten so racial. There's no way all a thousand of them agree with. The, but with there's there's no way their dues going to one candidate. Someplace somewhere, you know what I. I'm, I'm hearing backlash, you know, as, as much as you can. I don't really don't want to turn this into any kind of a racial thing, but I'm hearing serious backlash from white people against everything you say you disagree. All of a sudden, you're racial. You're you're a racist. And that 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 dog is getting to be really stinky. Needs a bath. I mean, uh, I, you know, if I say something like I think the, the, the teachers union is out of line, I'm not being racial. I don't care what color they are. They're, they're, well, they're not all one color. I, but I'm saying, but the but the the leadership and the in the in the message they portray to people is it's very racial. That if you say something against it, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. Now, if you but if you say that, now that's that's you're you're against the grain. I don't think so. I mean, uh, oh yeah. I, I think there's something to what you're saying, but fact is, there's if you count all of the teachers and the clinician members and you know all of the whatever staff, there's some 20,000-odd people my, my, in, the, in the CTU. They're every color. 
of you know there's my point black, of, white hispanic asian there's there's every color right. and i can't imagine that all 20,000 of them are happy that their dues are you, going you, to you, one you candidate. you are 100% correct my point i'm trying to make here and again i'm making it very clumsily cuz i'm trying to be politically correct on something you can't be what i'm saying is if the group that feels that way turns out to protest against what they're doing it'll turn out to be a racial protest well I mean, if, if every single one of them protesting is white, <laughs> then, it doesn't prob- matter. then it probably would be. Yes. But I'm saying it, w- it, w- it doesn't matter. It'll, it'll be the... But it, if the protest is, a, is an equal, not equal, but if it's a, a mix of, it, of it, everybody, then, then how could you, how you're, could you determine you're, that? Because you're yeah. going against a black candidate who's, who's progressive, which is the term woke or whatever. So any kind of a, of a push, you go against him, it's going to be... It's gonna be, it's gonna be you know, they, they still got the money back from Chewy if they paid back last time. That was a loan they never got back. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that um, society in general has nothing to do with this election. Society in general, for whatever reason, in the last five to ten years, has really pivoted to that point where if you disagree with somebody of a different race than you, <laughs> no matter the subject, you could say, I like crunchy peanut butter, I like, uh, you know, creamy peanut butter and if you disagree with somebody of a different race than you then someone someone is going to say you disagree because you're racist oh yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean that has nothing to do with this election that's sure just, it does. that's well i'm saying that that is society as a whole now and of course it's going to in that lens it's going to go to this elections because it's a, it's a black candidate versus a white candidate um, it's going to go through. It's going to go to everything. If you were to say uh, right in sports, now, if you if you know if if you cheer for a white athlete against a black athlete, you might be racist. Well, the just because they're on your team. Well, they, the, but the weird part is uh, people don't work their way through. Now, Vallis, from what I understand, is a is a champion of charter schools. Now, I don't know. Seems yeah. like a good reason for the CTU to support the other guy. Well, but he, but I'm saying uh, our buddy here in the building, Salvador, his son goes to a charter school on the south side. Kid loves it. He's doing great. Well, now, I'm not saying charter schools are good, bad, no, or different. I'm saying I can see why the CTU but is I'm supporting saying, the, the other candidates. Okay, but what I, my point is is that the, a lot of the kids that are going to their charter schools are Hispanic or black. They're not. They're not all white. But if, if you were to support the charter schools, according to the Chicago Teachers Union, that's racist. Where is that in writing? Uh, because the, the guy running doesn't, and he's black. He's progressive. And Vallis is white. And, oh, by the way, he, he supports charter schools, so it immediately has that tinge to it right out of the gate. You can't get away from it, which is really screwed with what you're saying. I'm agreeing with you. It shouldn't be that way. When it, it has to do with money and, and education, but it's, it's not going to get there. Anyway, what about evidently the, uh, the Bears, because my, my goofballs, uh, friends, they're all over the Bears. It's like they think they're general managers. Evidently the, the, the combine was no... No positive for the Bears. Now, I know you're not, maybe not up on this because you haven't been feeling that good, but why do you suppose that is? Well, a combine couldn't be up or down for any team, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, the idea was that since there's allegedly three quarterbacks that are good or four, and the Bears have the number one pick, the hope was that one of the four would come out like, you know, Roger Staubach against you and me, that you have to have that guy. So somebody would need your pick, and evidently that did not happen. Well, I mean, depends on how you look at it. Let's say there is four great quarterbacks, which there isn't, by the way. But let's say there is, then the fifth team is still right there. 
what I guess what I'm saying so is... So what's the difference? The difference is... As opposed to three, then the fourth team. Well, two, then the third team. Right now, what I'm getting to is that the Bears pick right now is not considered that much better than the second or third pick. Then, like I said, then you got to go to the fifth team. Well... Now, we know that this is all posturing, and there's still two months till the draft, and there's going to be a clear-cut number one guy when it gets closer. Okay, but it appears that the Bears were hoping out of the combine that would already have happened, that there's one guy that everybody's drooling over. And that, so far, is not the case, because they want their pick to be worth a boatload more than the one right after them, right? Sure. Evidently, it's not now. Well, I I would disagree with that. I I think that... uh, We've seen there's first of all there's no doubt that the combine can skew teams into thinking that a guy who didn't do much in college, i.e., like a Mitch Trubisky or you know who played one year in college as a starter, all of a sudden has a really good combine, and then the Bears just get enamored with him instead of going for you know potentially a more sure thing. And there, there's no doubt that that's happened before. So yeah, the combine can fool some teams, um, but uh, like I said. If, even if all four of those quarterbacks are considered elite, which I don't know if any of them are, but I one of the guys supposedly came in at five ten. They thought he was six one or something. Yeah, the I mean, uh, Bry, uh, yeah, Bryce Young is was listed at five ten. Everyone knew he was small. Turns out he's Kyler Murray small, which is really small. And um, and Kyler Murray's been you know good at times, but he's been injured a lot because those guys get flung around and it's like a concussion waiting to happen. Same with Tua and these other really small guys. Um, so that's concerning, but he's still from you know what what I read still between him and Stroud, those t- two are still the guys. A lot of people like this kid out of Kentucky, and a lot of people like the the kid out of Florida because of the combine. Those, the kid out of Kentucky, I don't think I saw him play. What, what's his deal? Um, he's more of a, a classic quarterback. He you know he he's he's got a strong arm. He's a- athletic enough, but he's not a running quarterback. Um, you know, I, I I would be surprised if he ended up being anything special. He just looks kind of like a run-of-the-mill quarterback that could be a starter for four or five years and then kind of becomes a journeyman after that. That's how that's what I would see, which there's a million of those. Um, certainly a good quarterback, certainly going to play in the league and be a starter for a period of time, but I don't, th- I don't see him as a franchise guy. Um, the Florida guy just had an unbelievable combine, but, I mean, what did he do in college? Like, I think it matters what you do. Why did, actually, they, why did that field. team just all of a sudden disappear? They did horrible. All the teams in Florida. They have more talent than any freaking state, you know, maybe outside of Texas, maybe. They might have more than Texas. And the fact that Florida, Florida State, and Miami have been consistently bad for several years in a row now is, is just unfathomable. Do you think it's, it has to do with the, uh, well, it started before the payment stuff, but... Uh what Kevin was talking the other day about all the stuff that used to be wrong, at least you can't do, now you can. They're still, they're still hitting people up for rule violations that now are legal. You know, in some of these places. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but um, yeah, those teams have been uh, wait, all went to this, I mean, they're not even good in their conference, right? They're, are they Southeast or are they ACC? Those they're are? all different. Uh, Florida State and Miami are ACC and then Florida is SEC. Yeah, the... Uh, I remember how good Miami was when Lou Holtz those guys. Well, in the eighties and yeah. and uh, and into the you know nineties, they were they were a powerhouse, right? Yeah. Then they had a little bit of a lull, and then in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands, they were a powerhouse again and won a couple more national championships. And then they've sort of been irrelevant for a long time. A long time, mm-hmm. right? Probably fifteen years. Yeah. And and that was you know how how was Miami irrelevant? Meanwhile, 
Florida State and Florida, you know, Florida had a resurgence under Urban Meyer, and then they've been completely, you know, nothing since. Florida State won the one title with Jameis Winston, and then uh, Jimbo Fisher fled for Texas A&M. Texas A&M's been terrible, and Florida State's been terrible. Do you think it's just all organization and cash or what? I don't know. I, I just think... I mean, in college football, you either have a coach that can recruit and, and coach or you don't. Um, you know, Alabama was stagnant and terrible for a long time, and then Nick Saban goes there, and now they've been untouchable for, for 20 years. Um, you know, then Kirby Smart, uh, uh, Nick Saban's top lieutenant, takes the Georgia job, and now he's got Georgia at, at Alabama's level. It seems like there's a, there's there's schools that – I don't know if the, the names change from time to time, but the, if, you, if you get really good, if you get good enough to where you, you, you're competing for a national championship or you win one, you lose so many people in the draft the next year that the only schools that seem to have the, the uh, depth to pull that off are like Alabama and Ohio State, like year after year. I mean, even Georgia, they won the... The national championship, what, like five years ago? And they lost, what, like 12 guys in the, in the draft the next year? They were, I won't say horrible, but they, it took them two, three years to come back, and obviously they have. But Alabama seems to, I know Notre Dame, when they had a really good team, and they had like three or four guys who were drafted as juniors, the next year they were nowhere near. They, they couldn't handle nine people being gone. Well, Notre Dame definitely can't. Georgia, though, has won back-to-back. Well, I'm saying they somehow have, and I think somehow or another, the, the the key is those schools get rid of the people that don't pan out and keep recruiting. They're, I'm going to say that there's, on the Irish roster, even Michigan, because I think they're fairly straight. I mean, I don't, straight maybe isn't the right term, but I'm going to say out of the 80, is it 80 people on scholarship, 80 or 85? I'm going to say there's there's 35 guys that if you're if you keep people for the four-year that are never going to play for you. They just they didn't they don't grow they don't do this they get hurt or whatever, and I, some schools find a way to get rid of those people and get up thirty five other guys so they might have seventy people out of the eighty that are actually capable of playing where the Irish probably have forty five, and Michigan probably has forty five Stanford probably has thirty five, and I think it's if you don't have I mean what the, the one uh, we were talking about last year maybe where they there's the junior college where Saban actually has like four or five guys that. You can't get on it. They're just kind of waiting for somebody to leave, and then they, they jump from the junior college that they right. supposedly are paying for themselves. Notre Dame doesn't do that. Stanford surely doesn't do it. I mean, I, I bet Iowa doesn't do that. Uh, Wisconsin doesn't do that. So I think they're always they're always like, and then if they have a really good team where they have five or six good juniors and they're all gone, all of a sudden you just strip them of the good team, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot to that. It's it's all it's more depth, I think, than actual the top five players. Because if you look at the top five players that are seniors, there's a lot of schools that got good people if they make it to senior. That's true. How good is that kid in the uh, – did he make all pro, the center from Iowa? Um, good question. I don't know if he may I, – I, I, he might have. I mean, he looks like he's going to be a guy that plays for 15 years. All right, so where, where are you in the, in the Bear Derby? What do you think happens? Um, I think they trade the pick. Um, I think the Colts are a likely landing spot. Um, at number four, um, and I think they'll get a couple first rounds for it. I, I don't. I mean, you know, I'm no NFL draft expert. I don't. I, in fact, I don't pay that close attention to the draft. I never have. But um, 
but I followed it a little bit just because they have the number one pick. But yeah, I think they're going to trade it. I don't know if it's going to be in the next week or two or if it's going to be right before the draft, but I think it's going to happen before the draft. It's not going to be so like what a do you draft think night. Between that, I mean, the nice thing about drafting for the Bears is you don't have to worry about uh, the best athlete available. You just get the best guy because every position needs, needs somebody. Exactly. Yep, they're in a great spot in that regard, so they can just take the best guy. I was really hoping, you know, it, it made sense for them to take that guy out of Georgia, the, the defensive tackle, who's considered the best player in the draft, you know, non-quarterback. And then, you know, all this stuff happening with him racing cars yeah. and people dying and stuff. I don't think anyone's taking him in the first round. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, there's a couple of really good pass rushers that you can get depending on how far back you drop in the first round, depending on this trade that's going to happen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, defensive line, offensive line, start there and then, uh, and then build out. I went through the whole list of, uh, people in the tribute when they went position by position with the, the, the bears don't have, I'm going to say they have five legitimate starters, maybe six. Um, that, yeah, that's why they have the number one pick. But I mean, I've never seen, there've, there've been teams that have injuries, they have a horrible record and get the number one pick, but they have you know a bunch of guys on there that just give them a year and they're going to be fine. The Bears got nobody like that. Well, I really like our young guys on defense. We got a lot of not not up front. Our defensive line is horrible and completely replaceable. There's not one starter on the defensive line. I was going to say out of my six, five of them, would, four of them would probably be in the, in the backfield. In the backfield, yeah. which is really hard to build. They did. I thought they did a hell of a job with the draft the last year before. Um, and, uh, and and those guys look really solid on the back end. And uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you know, maybe Cole Komet's a guy that you build around. Maybe. I mean, I, he shows flashes, but then he disappears for three or four games. They have no one on the edges for wide receiver. They, they got Claypool in that trade. He did absolutely nothing the five games he played here. But hopefully with an offseason, he becomes something. Um, and, uh, and And we'll see. You know, obviously you have Fields and, and you have a, a couple. You know, I, uh, we'll see what they do with Montgomery or if they're going to go with the the, uh, the backup. Well, the latest they're going to get John Henry. That's the latest rumor. John Henry's being shopped, and the Bears are interested. Who's that? What's what's the big huge back in uh, Tennessee? Whatever. The John oh, Henry? Derek Henry. Derek Henry. Um, that would be interesting. John Henry was the, was the Patriot or whatever he was. Yeah, jo- John Henry was he the the guy hammering uh, railroad ties? Yeah, he was doing something. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to uh, – SP Futures up to 50, Nazareth's up 20. Everybody's waiting for the Fed, Fed chairman to speak in front of the Senate, and they're usually pretty gentle to him. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stacks and Jackson. I'm Tim We're on the board. Webby, I got a, I got a quiz for you here. Um, who wrote the uh, Politics Make Strange Bedfellows? That's kind of a, a, a change to a line that was in, was in, uh, from history. Do you know who wrote it? And where it came from, I didn't. But I just found out. But now, now, I've now, heard the line, but I don't know who wrote now, it. Don't Google it now. Don't be one of those kind of guys. I didn't. Um, well, you haven't yet, but I can see you doing something like that. <laughs> SP futures up four, and Nasdaq futures up twenty-five. Again, it's very muted today because of the uh, Senate hearing with the uh, Powell going in front of the Senate. Dow futures down ten. In the Dow, the only I've got Home Depot up a buck seventy-nine. Uh, Nike up fifty cents. Nothing crazy in there. Mostly green, but but not much. Over in Europe, we've got the. Uh, the DAX up 23.1%, FTSE up 20. Now, they were off yesterday, except the FTSE was down. It's up today, 20.2%. CAC around up 10.1%. We're in Asia, which this has been really hot. Nikkei up 71.2%. Hang Seng down 68.3%. Shanghai down 36. That's a full 1.1%. Um, not sure why they're down, but they are a little bit. Uh, yesterday, Dow was up 40. S&P up 2. NASDAQ down 13. So a, a mixed, um, dull day. Uh, Bands down four basis points, 3.94. Uh, shot over 4% on Friday. Well, it's been under four, but seemingly that's where we're headed. Uh, no, who knows, but that seems where we're headed. The bun down five basis points, 2.67. Japan 
unchanged at 0. .50. Oil down 60 cents, 79.86. Brent down 60 cents, 85.55. Natural gas up 3 cents, 260. Our Bob down a penny, 277. Natural gas has been down here a long time. I wonder if somewhere along the line here it might be a buy. But uh, well, I'll be early as usual. Gold down eight bucks, eighteen forty-six. Can't seem to stay over eighteen fifty. Silver down fifteen cents, twenty ninety-eight. Copper down five cents, four hundred three. Bitcoin down nine, almost flat, twenty-two thousand three sixty-eight. And we have the U.S. dollar um, up a little bit, but the pound's still one hundred six and the euro one twenty. So not much of a change there. Betty, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a good start here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, we just have one issue. It's on the inbound Eisenhower at US-20. There's a medical emergency on the exit ramp with crews uh, there working on uh, whatever's going on with that uh, driver. And that's right at Eisenhower inbound side uh, at US-20 exit, which is York Road exit 12. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, sunshine, but uh, temperatures uh, substantially cooler than yesterday, a high of 40 today. Uh, still nice and right around normal. Right now it's crystal clear and 35 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 75 today. Right now it's clear and in the low 70s. In sports, quiet night last night, but the Blackhawks were in action. They blew out the Senators 5-0. Coyotes were off. Bulls were off as well. They're back in action tomorrow at Denver to take on the Nuggets. Suns were off. They'll host OKC tomorrow. Chief. What are you, uh, so the in the Tempest... Shakespeare wrote, Misery acquaints a man with strange bedfellows. In recent years, that phrase has been reworded to politics makes strange bedfellows. <laughs> the literal meaning of the quote is that people with nothing in common, they come together solely because of shared political interests. There you go. There you go. So we're trying Zoom out with Joel for the first time, and um, I, th- I see he's connected. I don't know if he can hear us or not. Joel, can you hear us? I mean, I had to play with it a little bit to get it... Uh, John Flanagan yesterday, uh, but it, it eventually worked. Uh, by the way, are you aware that, uh, being the north side dude that you are, that the uh, the umbrage which which people in Chicago, the absolute incompetence we live with, we made we were eight years on the what, uh, two lanes down for the Jane Byrne inter- interchange, not to mention the construction zone. They finally fix it. And now we're going to have three years of two lanes down on the Kennedy, and they couldn't do it at the same time. I don't know if you're aware of that at all, but anyway, you must be messing around with it. We'll get this figured out. When we do, I think listening to Stacks and Jackson will be a lot better because everything's going to be a lot clearer. Uh, but everybody who comes in the first time, it seems like we have to mess with it. Uh, we have an engineer coming in this weekend to redo the system, or at least uh, make it, figure out what he wants to do to redo the system. But at the end of the day, it's going to end up being better and better if everybody just hangs with us while we're, uh, we're working at it. Uh, because at the end of the day, the phones are going to work, but... Even if the phones do work, the clarity of the Zoom is so much better that I don't think we want to go back to phones for regular regular call-ins. I mean, if somebody has to, they have to. But So, Joel, you're on mute. Um, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but if you can unmute yourself and talk, uh, we could test this out. I see he's in here. Can you see his face? He's lurking? Well, he's not on video, but I see his phone's connected. Maybe he doesn't like what you're saying or me. Well... I texted him too. We'll see. We'll see if this works. This is. Uh, Maybe we should have a, a button. not recommended to do live, but the uh, well, we could. You know, we could have a uh, a flash. We like we could be like Richard J. Daly, where you could they used to turn off a guy's mic if he didn't like what he was saying. You could like 
text somebody, mute yourself or something. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, did you hear my story about the, the Kennedys now going to be under construction for three years? Um, I, I did know that, yes. Um, you don't think they could have done that the same time they did the burn interchange? Um, it was all backed up. I anyway. didn't hear the reasoning on why they didn't do it at the same time, but uh, the reasoning is we only have two firms that can do it, and it, and they run the show. There we you know. go. It's uh, so I guess they couldn't have done it at the same time. Well, I guess, or we, maybe we get somebody else. That would be another solution. Maybe you and I should get in the construction business. What do you think? I don't know the first thing about it, but so the money seems good if you can get yeah, a city you, contract. That's what you hire guys. You hire guys. That's what you got guys for. I expect you out there moving the concrete. That's what you got concrete guys for. Why should they manage their money? They, that's what they got me for, right? I mean, so yeah. Just saying. Well, are we gonna are we gonna talk more sports? Or are we gonna think? Well, well, when Casey piles in, what do you think of the tournament here? Right? If ever there's a year where you need more teams in the tournament, this would be it. Huh? How many teams are look to me to be an absolute equivalent that are gonna get in or not get in? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, you know, it's a it's a weird year because I don't think there's an elite team or teams this year. Um, you know, there's there's certainly going to be some number one seeds. Kansas is good, but they're not great. They're not as good as last year's team that won it all. Um, you know, uh, Houston is good, but they play in a weak conference. We'll see, you know, how they do in the tournament, but they're certainly talented. I think UCLA is, is the best team I've seen this year, um, and that would be my pick to win it all. But there's no elite teams. And so, you know, anyone could kind of win it. Um, and then, you know, there's some, some blue bloods that are, are having down years to the point where North Carolina, unless they go on a deep run in the ACC tournament, they're not even going to make the tournament. The ACC is just awful this yeah, year. Yeah, nobody's going to want to play them. Yeah, it, well, because they have so much talent. Yeah. Um, Kentucky is, uh, you know, a, a, a step or two ahead of North Carolina, but uh, down year by their standards, they were a preseason top, you know, five or ten team. And then they fell off you know into bubble land and then they've gotten hot recently although they did lose to Vanderbilt so uh you know they're they're going to end up being like an eight or nine seed that no one's going to want to play because everyone knows that, that they could easily get hot and find themselves in an elite eight and they have a bunch of NBA players on their team uh it's going to be a weird tournament the Big Ten is is very much down this year uh Purdue is is probably a, a, a lock for a one seed especially if they have a nice showing at the tournament the Big Ten tournament this week in Chicago, but other than that, the Big Ten is completely jumbled. Any team can could lose in the first round, and, and any team could make it to the Sweet 16, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so it's it's a weird year. Yeah, Texas is a, looks like an elite team, but then their coach gets fired uh, midway through the season for beating up his girlfriend or whatever happened there, and uh, and now they're, they have an assistant coach running the show, but they have a ton of good players. I mean, they could go on a run. Uh, it should be fun. The tournament's great every year because, you know, you, for different reasons. But this year it, it seems uh, a lot of sort of parody and a lot of, you know, mediocre uh, teams. What do you make of the difference in the style of play between the two? Whatever, <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately, because actually they're fun to watch. Plus I went down to Notre Dame and watched some clobber my Irish. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of Marquette with our friend Bill Murphy. They're up to like sixth. They play a very unusual game. It's a, almost a full-court press. they got a lot of people at play. They're, they're real fast. They, they, they uh, hawk the hell out of the ball and really undress the Irish. They just, it wasn't that the, the press was all that successful for turnovers. It just seemed that they wore everybody down. And uh, I think they do that to a lot of teams. But the, the Big East, the referees, did they even give them a whistle? It's, it's a totally different style of play than if you watch the teams out west. And I've actually watched some. Uh, I watched UCLA there, and I listened to your 
your buddy Bill Walton. Got yeah, he hasn't changed that guy. No, he just he goes <laughs> off into space. <laughs> he was he was out there and uh, and he had what's his name uh, Keith Wilkes on it, who was there at the game because it's a fifty year anniversary. There's seventy three unbeaten team and uh, and they were going but he but he, he anyway he's he's all over it. Everybody in the in the Pac ten should essentially get a. a uh, invite he wants Oregon in and Washington in and, and the Pac-10 is awful outside of UCLA and Arizona it's terrible and now you, now you he'd, he'd argue with you yeah well it's bad um you know that said USC is super talented and uh, assuming they get in I think they're they're you know one of the last teams to get in they could go on a run so as, as bad as the Pac-10 is or Pac-12 or whatever they're called now um outside of those top but, two but how do you pick Southern Cal versus like an Indiana or somebody or you know, it seems to me they, I don't, I, I can't tell. They don't have any common. Well, opponent. that's the thing. You know that if 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 USC played Indiana on a neutral court, it would probably be a great game. But because Indiana played a much co- tougher non-conference schedule, has had success against uh, quad one and quad two teams based on the net rankings, Indiana is going to be a four or five seed, and USC is on the bubble, and and that's just how it goes. You got to play tough teams outside of your conference, and you have to win some of those games. And then you have to have tough teams in your conference um, where, where you can win some of those games. Um, and, uh, and, and that's it. And, and some teams did that, and some benefited from being in a, a better conference. The Big Ten is, is down as it is this year because there, there's no great teams outside of Purdue. It still has a lot of teams ranked high in the net because they play you know, tough competition. And, uh, and, and you know, so there you go. So that that that's good, bad, or indifferent. That's the ranking system. That's how they do it. Well, I, don't, I would the. Uh, I, I mean, I, to me, like Kevin says, it's not really the top sixty-four. But I don't like to see any team that is in the top sixty-four not get in, which obviously happens all the time. So I don't see any reason why you can't. What do you have? You have two more. You have two play-in games for the sixteenth spot, right? And you've got two playing games for like the twelfth, eleventh, yeah, eleventh or somewhere 11th there. Eleventh seed, yeah. I don't see why you can't have because that seems to be. I mean, if the teams we're talking about were that crappy, they'd be in the sixteenth spot, but they're not. You know, they'd be in the eleventh or twelfth, right? Yeah. Well, by the way, I think we have Kenny here. Kenny, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear Kenny, Chief? Yes, I can. All right. Not only that, Kenny, it you're worked. you're amazingly clear. Yeah, yeah, no, well, thank you very much. I just saw the text message, so I apologize if I'm late a little bit. Oh, no, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. Uh, this, the, uh, we're working our way through the new technology, but at the yeah. end of the day, everybody is amazingly clear. So, yeah, no, I, th- you sound great to me. It sounds perfectly, actually, it sounds better than the phone. Yeah, as I'm saying, it sounds like you're sitting here. Yeah. Anyways, so how, I, how are you? What's going on? Are you, uh, are you going in and masquerade as a senator today and grill the chairman? <laughs> No, but I do want to watch it because I always find it very comical when I listen to some of the questions that they ask and some of the, you know, it's clear that half of them don't understand even what they're asking, never mind what the answer should be. So it's always entertaining, but uh, I don't suspect we're going to hear him be dovish at all. Quite honestly, I think it's going to air to the other side. I think he's going to, you know, stay to the, stick to the course, suggest that, yes, we're behind the eight ball a little bit, but not to worry, they have it under control, but they need to maintain the course. Uh, and so, therefore, I think the path to least resistance is going to be a little bit lower. I don't think it's going to cause, you know, the markets to crash, but this rally that we see, that we've seen the last couple of days, you know, Thursday, Friday of last week on the idea that 
you know, Waller said that the turnover rate should be 5.1 to 5.4 percent, which is below what the what Loretta Mester told us was five and a half to six percent. That was seen as a bonus, seen as kind of a, a dovish comment, and so the market rallies. But I think JJ Powell is going to come out today and go, mm, not so fast. You know, what I mean that uh, inflation remains a problem, especially in the areas that are really concerning to you and me: food, energy, utilities, healthcare. Those are not those costs are not coming down, and so therefore I think that's going to be the stance, and I think that's going to cause the market to give back uh, the gains that you know that it that it's seen on Thursday and Friday. Well, Kenny, every once in a while, I, as you know, I'm always as you are. We have, I guess we've we've turned into a cub reporters at heart since we're both on media so much. Uh, yeah. I, some of the stuff I heard this weekend, I'm just I'm, I'm concerned. When I say I'm concerned, if I was Powell, I'd be more concerned tomorrow because the senator is always trying to come off like they know something, even though they don't. I mean, some, yeah. of, some of them do. I mean, obviously, they have a skill set in some areas. They are probably probably real brilliant, and others maybe not so much. But correct. But I heard some stuff this weekend that a lot of your big auto dealers now for repairs, they have a finance guy for repairs because repairs are so expensive that people can't afford them. Well, I, I have to tell you, I I'm not surprised by that because I brought my I brought my car in just to have the maintenance. Eighteen hundred. They wanted eighteen hundred dollars. I, I sat there and I scratched my head and go, "What? Eighteen hundred dollars for what exactly? It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous." What, what was it that you had done? We missed you. You blinked out on that. I had, I had an oil change. They rotated the tires. They did the brake fluid. They checked. You know, it was a, it was a maintenance call, right? I mean, right. It was, you have a car in every every you know x amount of miles, and they do all this. Make they check the computer system. They make sure that everything's up to date the software is up to date next thing you know i got a bill for eighteen hundred dollars at the end i was like what? yeah yeah an oil change should be it was 30 bucks it was not that long it was it. easy it was but the problem is if you don't take the car to follow the maintenance plan to the car dealership where you bought it then they can say well you didn't st-. even if you take your car and have the oil change that you know jiffy loop they can say uh uh-uh, not the same you violated the maintenance contract so if you have a problem with the car down the road it's not our fault Right, so they lock you in, um, and it's ridiculous. So your comment about the finance guy financing the repairs is—I is, get it. Um, I don't necessarily understand it, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, I don't. Uh, this this whole idea that uh, well, one of my buddies who has a Dose Mercedes, right? He finds yeah. a guy that, of course, is not the dealer, and he goes in for the you know two two filter replace. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever they uh, rotate the tires and uh, oil change, and he goes, "I hey, got a great deal. It's like six hundred fifty bucks." Great, you just what? What are you doing? We we could have done that in an hour. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to tell you, I needed brakes in my car. You know, in, in my in my wife's car two months ago, and uh, the deal because I I had that car in to have the maintenance done on that, and they said to me, "Oh no, you need to do brakes in the front." They wanted eight hundred dollars for two sets of just front wheel drive brakes. Right, I go. Eight hundred dollars a little bit ridiculous to me, uh, and so I called my buddy who's got you know like a like a brake repair shop. I went in there. And the, he did the whole thing for three hundred bucks. The whole thing, the two yeah. the two guys, new rotors, new everything. It was ridiculous what they what the car companies charge, but they have to because they're paying union rates and they got to support the prices, right? Well, the the word overhead comes to comes to mind, right? Right. I mean, you got you really do wonder. I mean, we've been talking uh, education, and because uh, there's well. <laughs> Fortunately for you, you're not 
the, the names that are on Stocks and Jacks, you can only imagine how much we debate back and forth with each other. I, I save <laughs> you from that. If you want in, you can be in. But the latest is some guy in Epoch Times, one of those things, of course, some right-wing guy, piles yeah. out about how it's much more important now to get certifications for for to whatever business you're in. Like you're better off having a a 65 and a 63 and a 3 and a 4 if you're going to be in our industry than if you've got a bachelor's degree in God knows what. Well, I guess, but they're not really equivalent. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'd, if I'd trade my MBA degree for a 65. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean we're not even on the same planet, I don't think. But, <laughs> but I mean, the, the, the whole thing becomes down to one of cost, Kenny. It's like, I mean, I, I love the fact that I was able to go to the University of Chicago and have those kind of teachers. And I think it's served me my entire life. But yep. the, the idea, I, would, right. would I go now where one class costs more than my entire education? I right. don't think I don't think the professors are making twenty times. Matter of fact, I will bet you they're making three times more than when I was got there. Not twenty. The right. o- overhead is killing this country. Your doctors are making less than they did ten years ago. And yet your hospital bills ten times higher. Right. And, and this constant overhead is 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 burying people. It's the same way with the auto dealer. It's not. Yeah. The guy, even if you're even if you're paying the guy, I'm going to say a, a master mechanic. Uh, they're going to charge you a buck and a half, 150 in floor parlance, an hour. The guy's making, he's making 50. Right. So you would be happy to go to this guy in his home garage and pay him 50 yeah. bucks an hour. You'd be happy with that price. That's not what you're getting. You're getting no, that's right. You're getting, you're getting the, not only are you getting the 150 an hour, but you're getting the part that they get for five bucks, you're paying 50 for. I mean, you know, which, which is even more bizarre. You know, you're be- right, but you know, if you listen to J- if you listen to Joey and JJ, they're telling you, "Oh no, it's coming! It's under control! Inflation's coming down, yeah. not to work." Sitting there scratching my head, going, "Where exactly is it coming down? Somebody help me!" Well, I mean, if you look everywhere, I mean, Kenny, every place I look, the uh, I mean, they they bulge the money supply thirty five percent in two years. The inflation number everywhere you go, if you look, if you were to get, I mean, I'm not going to say in every single place. Every restaurant, everything. There's some stuff. Actually, some of the uh, commodities, prices of like pork and chicken and stuff, they're they're not much higher at all as of if they've dropped down. Natural gas as well, right? But every, but virtually everything else, rent, right. housing, housing prices, you name it, are absolutely in lockstep with the increase in the money supply. Everything right. is. If you were to, if you're looking at a restaurant menu at your favorite place or your not favorite place versus two and a half years ago, it's probably thirty five percent higher. Easily thirty five percent. Higher. Thirty-five Easily. to forty. So I'm saying it's it's right yeah. about right about the number plus or minus depending on whether yeah. whether you have the ability to to increase rates or not. You know, and yeah. that's plus you have the uh, you have the added incentive that a lot of places have closed. And there's less competition. Right, but I got to tell you, none of that has helped. That has helped the worker the worker shortage in the restaurant industry. It's really unbelievable to me that the prices have gone up that much. Other restaurants have closed, and you still they some of these other restaurants still can't get enough help, servers and waitresses uh, in their in their uh, in their restaurants, right? So some of them are still woefully understaffed, which I find really really interesting. Well, I think they also you get to the uh, they think that because they went from ten dollars an hour to to thirteen, yeah. Uh, hey, that's thirty percent. What's the problem? Well. <laughs> Your, the new car went from twenty six to forty. Yeah. The ten right. to thirteen doesn't cut it. 
You know, right. it's like a stock. Right. A stock that we own went from a hundred to five. It's down ninety five percent. It goes back to ten. It's up a hundred percent. It's still not a hundred. Right, right. I got a friend of mine that has uh, is part of a restaurant group in New York, and they're paying dishwashers at the rate of twenty five dollars to thirty dollars an hour. A wow. dishwasher, a dishwasher, and they can't get it, and, and they and they and having trouble finding them. Well, I, I don't, what do you think happened to all these people? I have no idea. I think they're all sitting home collecting checks, or they're all you know working in you know some of them maybe working in the gig economy, uh, doing nothing, kind of hiding off the you know off the books, just sitting home doing other stuff. But you know the dishwasher types maybe not the gig economy, but I'm not sure where they are because it's unbelievable that you know they can't hire dishwashers at twenty five or thirty dollars an hour. Well, I think in, in uh, my guess is not being in Florida because you are a lot of the people used to work in the restaurant industry here, a lot were Hispanic. And yep. uh, and when all of a sudden those places all closed, yep. a lot of those guys got jobs in construction making, you know, 40. Construction, not, landscape. Yeah. I mean, landscaping, obviously landscaping down here is a big thing. Um, and so there's a huge population of, you know, Hispanics and migrants in that industry, which I get, right? I see it. They I pay more. Around. Yep. They pay a lot uh, more. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's a. I mean, I don't know the, the restaurants. The it's an interesting industry because the cost of what you eat is nowhere near. Some of the places I go now are six to one, easy. Yeah, the cost of what they're charging versus the cost of, of what it is. Right? It, it's all overhead though. You, you've got you know yeah. million million dollar place with forty five TVs where you watch every game on Earth. Guess what? You got to pay for that. They might, they, you know, but, uh, what what amazes me is that I'll go there and I'll look on the menu for a dish of pasta and it's thirty five or forty dollars. Yeah. for a dish of pasta, uh, and I laugh and I think to myself, "Well, I could go home and make this thing for about two dollars and fifty cents, complete, start to finish." It's ridiculous. But you can't watch free free basketball games at the same time at home. Well, I, no, <laughs> you're right. I can't do that. I guess right. But I mean, it's <laughs> almost like yesterday, Kenny. I was ranting and raving a little bit. Imagine that. <laughs> it's, it's but it's it's, it's like it's our, like our industry, and if yeah. you and I were you know just straight out brokers like we used to be, you know you know thirty years ago, yeah. Somebody wants to call and talk to us about their positions, whether it's options, whether it's stock, whether they want our, our expertise, and you know, and, yeah. I, and you and I do never never hold ourselves out as saying, God, if I think a stock's going up, it's going up. I mean, neither one of us have ever done that, but we have right. we have a lot to add in terms of somebody's portfolio vis-a-vis the bright risk strategy for them, we can add a lot in that, in that area, right? And, and, and obviously, if somebody wants to hedge, we can add a lot in option knowledge and things. But, but the point is, they say, well, uh, Schwab's charging me, you know, a, whatever per share. I said, I said, but yeah, but you just talk to me. I mean, at some point, whether it's the broker or the restaurant, okay, do you want to just pay me by the hour to talk to you and then go, go trade at Schwab? Go ahead, I'll, I'll, get, I'll do that. You know, right. but, but somewhere along the line, I mean, the com- the place you're talking about, they'd be happy if you gave them fifty bucks at the door and just and then, and then you just ask you, what do you want? Right. I mean, it almost doesn't matter whether it's pasta or steak. Your your butts in a chair and they need fifty bucks out of you. Right. You know, yeah. we've, we've we've reached that stage. It's not the local bar where there's no overhead, and you walk in and uh, the only thing he's worried about is how many beers you drink. Right. That's we're we've, we're we're way beyond that. I think, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think sure. Now maybe you know in Boston where everybody's got the places that are I'm not denigrating I'm saying that's a positive thing. The guy who has to be making out like a bandit here, Kenny, is somebody who has managed to make it through COVID with a with a I won't say smaller but fully paid for a restaurant 
but he still has some people there that he can count on. I gotta believe yeah. those guys are having banner years. Well, I gotta tell you, and you probably know him. I don't. Know. Do, you, do you interview Jimmy Urio on your show at all? We haven't yet. Should we? You should. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. get him too. He's a Chicago guy, and uh, you know he worked on the Cebo for years and years. And uh, but he also owns on the side. He's still a trader, uh, but he on the side he owns that he owns a, a bar. It's kind of a pub. I've never been there, but I understand it's almost like um, uh, it's almost a mainstay out in Palatine or something. It's called Brant's of Palatine. And, well, I think I've that, heard of the place. It's supposed to be real good. It's, a, it's like a pub. It's burgers. It's that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, he's killing it. I mean, that place doesn't line out the door. You know, and he's had to raise prices, and he feels bad about it. But, uh, but it's one of those places that you know people like, and it's a local joint, and it's been there for a long time. And Jimmy's a great guy; his personality is just wonderful. And so people go there, I think, partly to see him and to talk to him because he's very entertaining. Well, that's you know that that you go. I mean, you go there to meet people and do stuff. I mean, right? You don't want to, uh, but yeah, I, I think that everybody understands what's happening. You want to, you just don't want to get I, fleeced, you know. It, He's, I'm going to give Patty his contact information. I'll call him up and tell him that to expect a call because you'd actually enjoy his his take and his and his. Oh, I uh, love it. Hey, so what? Uh, <laughs> la- call last, him on Twitter. All right, last question. Go ahead. Well, last question here. What? What do you think? Does Rally keep going here with these? I no. think I think he's going to have trouble tomorrow with the house. They're going to they're going to come after him yeah, with the inflation I, numbers. I think he's going to have trouble today and tomorrow uh, because I think he's going to remain. Uh, hawkish, right? I don't think he's going to turn dovish at all. I think he's going to say that they have to stay the course. Inflation remains sticky. That is a problem. Uh, and so I think that we're going to see the market pull back. I don't think it's going to crash, but I think it's going to give back, uh, take back all the gains that it that it, that it it took over the last uh, two or three days, right? Thursday, Friday, and a little bit yesterday. I think it's going right back to 3940, which is the which is a trend line on the S&P, um, unless he gets really hawkish, and then maybe we test, you know, 3900-ish. Well, I but, think... That- I think the Senate doesn't want it to be hawkish because they like to look at the big picture. The House, you're mu- they're much t- closer to the people, and I think they're getting phone call after phone call about people can't handle these, these prices. Um, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Anyway. We'll, we'll talk Brian, about it next week, buddy. Thank Brian. you. You sound great. SP Futures up 60. NSA Futures up 30. Back Mr. Hal Snyder. He should, he should be on looked up as well. So we'll see how this goes. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
3456 that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs traders executives and the everyday business person consider advertising on stocks and jocks with a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Something happening here. Hello, Rock Bank, Stocks, and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. We're on the board. SP Futures up 7. Is it Futures up 35? Do we have the professor? We do. One second. It takes a little fiddling around to get this to work. Well, it's man. on the same line as, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's same on the same line as the music, so we have to fade the music out, then turn it back up. But how should be there? Are you there? That's, that we're gonna, I'm here. That we can, I think we're going to have to uh, have computer number three, Matt. It would be my... But we'll have our engineer tell us exactly. Well, uh, really, all we need to do is enable another uh, cart on the board. We have four lines on the board. We're only using one for computer sound. We could have him add one, you know, use, set up so one of these other lines works for the Zoom if we want to go with Zoom going forward, and then it would solve it right there. Well, I am uh, obviously <clears throat> not all that happy with the fact that our phone thing's kind of clunked, but I am ecstatic about how clear everybody is. Yeah, how, hey, uh, how do you sounds th- good. Do you think it has yeah. it? You think it has anything to do with the uh, FTC not liking what we're talking about? Uh, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, actually, Maddie, right after you moved out, Maddie used to live upstairs. There was this in your in your house. Well, in the, we have an apartment building, three flat. Three yeah. flat. Oh, okay, I had the top floor. Oh, nice. Maddie, Maddie had cool. the, he had he had the huge apartment upstairs, the two floor thing with the view of the the bedroom. Did he have a rooftop deck? Uh, we have a rooftop deck on the garage, and he had a, had a back deck on his. It looked right out over downtown. Oh, it was nice. Yeah. Oh wow! I wouldn't have moved. Well, he had the babies only in one bedroom. It's like a big bachelor oh, bed. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't have one baby in there. <laughs> no, it, it, there was. Let's just say there was basically no doors in the entire apartment. So it was one big, gigantic open loft, two floor thing, which was awesome for just my wife and I. But then once a kid was in play, no chance. So what? What? what yeah. What did you guys do when you weren't speaking to each other? How'd you? How'd you manage? Oh, that? we at least had two separate floors. Oh, that's true. <laughs> or I would just be sent outside. You'd be, you'd be sent I'd, outside. I'd, I'd be sent to Tripoli. I'd be sent to the bar with the dog, or <laughs> which wasn't that bad. No, what the <laughs> I've been there before. Yeah. Was, uh, anywho, so um, you, you you were writing some stuff earlier uh, regarding the uh, unemployment rates and how they're. I I think this whole deal with the unemployment, I think it's changed a lot. You know, I think in terms of the. Uh, right, let me back up here. There's a labor force. There's a bunch of people that are working. Hopefully, there's people that are are actively looking for work that are unemployed. They're in they're in column B, and column C is all the people we don't know what the hell they're doing. They could be students. They could be retired. They could be. I think what's happened now, and I don't know how accurate it was before, but when I uh, was booted from Pullman, when they got rid of everybody, we were taking over. I went to work for it was Jim Thompson at the time. I went to work for Uncle Jim 
meaning I was getting my unemployment check for about maybe about four weeks so I got another job. But uh, they actually, you had to kind of report in and let people know you were looking. The unemployment was, I, mean, I, I didn't go near the max because I got another job right away. But I'm going to say it's, was it six months? Four, three months? I'm not even sure what it is. But whatever it is, I mean, just because you, you went off the, the dole, shall we say, it didn't mean you stopped looking. But now I think they've short-circuited that and, and lazy, lazy-ass their way out. But the minute they stop sending you the check, I think in their mind, you're no longer unemployed. So you're, the, that number that people are actively looking, I think is a total fabrication. And if you look further down, like Carl does, he goes to page God knows what, um, you start talking about, is it the A6 number, which are people that are part-time, that want to be full-time, uh, those kinds of things. That number has actually been very high this whole way through. People that are, are underemployed, people with you know, a, a finance degree that are attending bar, that kind of thing. If you go into those numbers, those numbers have been very, very high, I think. I mean, we're, we're, not, we're not picking up the number. I, I think if, if you're done with your check and you don't have a job yet and you're still looking, I think you're counted as, as not unemployed because you're not actively looking even though you are unemployed by, by anybody else's definition. Am I right or wrong? Right. Yeah, uh, the official unemployment number is uh, for people who um, are still in the labor force, and in order to be in this labor force, you have to look for work. If you're no yeah. longer looking for work, they don't count you. And you could be out. You could you could have stopped looking for work for many reasons. Maybe you got laid off, and you're on unemployment for a while, and then your unemployment comes close to ending. About four weeks before um, your unemployment benefits end, you you typically see a spike in the number of people exiting unemployment. And what they might do at that point is they might uh, find a job and work for pay and then be considered in the labor force if they do something like work for cash under the table or maybe do some side hustles where they're operating a small business where they're working Lyft, um, Uber, and Airbnb, they're not going to be captured. So it could be the case that the labor force is really low because you know maybe a, a significant number of people have a lot of side hustles. You know they're doing Uber, Lyft, and Airbnb. Well, and I, they're, they're, they they could be making enough money to live pretty well on that. Well, as, as a guy who's not done Lyft or Uber, how 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 does that work? Is that's not cash? They pay you by uh, it's some sort of credit card. There's, there's no way you can yeah, get cash out of that. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah, that's true. Um, but I think when you look at uh, Airbnb, I think it's a little, well, maybe it's not. I mean, I think you do have to file a tax return, so I'm not really sure how the government um, considers them. To, I don't know if they consider them to be an employee. You know, I think they're considered contractors, so uh, who would hire themselves, so maybe they are considered in the employment. Well, if, if, you, if you're going to deduct anything, um, boy, it's not like a I'll go down this road just because it's you two guys and the listeners. Uh, I once had a client. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think we have any more. I think the guy. I don't know. We're, I hope he's still alive. But he's up there. He was in a business. Uh, shall we say they? I don't know what they put it in Chicago. They have, did some kind of construction. But a lot of the places they did the construction for. I don't know. It was some kind of safety stuff. I don't know if it was alarms or what the hell it was. 
but a lot of the places they do business they did business for wanted to pay them in cash for whatever reason so they had a bunch of cash and they they had some workers who didn't mind getting paid in cash but he said as time went by it became harder and harder to pay people in cash because you can't get a mortgage or anything like that yeah. you know yeah. so he ended up with like a real pot of dough <laughs> of cash yeah. and he goes oh chief could you could you help me get rid of this cash? I go. What do I what do I look like a casino? <laughs> like, I, I I I may have a lot of be able to give advice on some things, but money laundering is not one of them. Uh, you know, I what we what you know. He says, "What do you think I should do?" I said, "Well, I'd say I don't think you should use your credit card for buying gas or groceries every day." But after that, I had like no idea. You know, cause, what, you know, it's, uh, you certainly can't go buy a car or a boat for hundred grand with a cash. I mean, I. I mean, if you just said, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm never going to use a credit card for gas anymore because some people want their 1% back, you know. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, I mean it, but you can't, if you own a business, I mean, if you have a house, I mean, if Matty Weber had a house and he pays some guy, you know, uh, 20 bucks a week to, to sweep the place, sweep around it and pays him to take care of the snow, he can pay cash. But if it's yeah. if it's Matt Weber industry and, he, and, he, and he's going to pay uh you know, Hal, Hal's firstborn son to shovel the snow. At the end of the year, he wants to deduct that, and it's two grand. He's got to show a ten ninety nine to somebody, and then when, yeah. he's, when he puts your son's Social Security on there, the government's going to want fifteen percent of it, even if it's fifty bucks, right? Well, referees referees used to be paid in cash all the time, but now I think if you make over four hundred dollars a year um, from refereeing, you have the a signer has to give you a ten ninety nine. I also thought it might be due to uh, increased Social Security disabilities. Well, sure it is. You saw you saw an uptick in it uh, right after the financial crisis. It it got as high as seven point zero percent seven uh, disability uh, claims or approved claims per thousand people who pay that tax per worker who pays that tax. It's dropped down to three point seven per thousand so it's really hard to figure out why the labor force is so small and I'm thinking you know maybe it's not Uber maybe it's not Lyft maybe it's not Airbnb it may not be uh, I, I, only, I don't have 2022 2023 data in front of me I have it till 2021 um, it didn't rise during the pandemic it's 4.2 and 3.7 so maybe that the reason why it fell is because we had these enhanced COVID Unemployment benefits, so people didn't need to resort to that. Oh, right, right. But maybe today, maybe in a couple of years when this latest data comes out, we'll see maybe an uptick in that. But if there's not much of an uptick, then I think probably what's happened is you young people who, you know, 30 years ago, right out of college, out of high school, they might have entered the labor force, got an apartment. Maybe they're just staying home with mom and dad. Well, that's, that's or I mean, it, there's a lot of people that are, uh, that are um, on, on pensions of some kind. There's, there's people that yeah. have got pensions that are 50 years old, for God's sake. Yeah. Which well, is, I'm talking about the young people. I think I'm, the ones I'm, look, I'm trying to figure out are the younger people who aren't really in the labor force. Uh, they, If they were doing Uber, Lyft, and Airbnb, they would probably be considered in the labor force somehow because they would have 1099s, and I think they'd be probably considered. I mean, if, if the government calls you up, the BLS calls you up and says... Are you working more than one hour a week for pay? I'm pretty sure the Uber, the Lyft, and the well, Airbnb guy are saying yes to that. Okay, but I, th- I think you need to, we need to back up here. What you're talking about, we talk about those companies, and you know, 
Actually, our buddy Mr. Weber knows quite a bit about this because he has friends that do this. When, uh, if somebody were to call PTI and say, gee, is, uh, is, uh, Dan Howe working there or something? How many people do you have here? No, they would ask us how many people we have here. And we'd yeah. say five. And the employer survey. Yeah, and we'd and say five. Survey. We'd say five. Well, if you called, you know, my brother Dan's house, if he picked up the phone, if he had a landline, he'd say, well, yeah, I'm working. By the way, I'm president of the place. Duh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. So, it, now, there's, there's two flaws there right out of the gate. One is, if Dan is also driving an Uber on Saturday, which he's not, he doesn't have to say that. So, yeah. uh, so he's, if you call somebody's home, they're going to tell you you have one job. But my question is, and I don't know the answer to this, if you call Uber, what do they say? They don't, they don't consider those people employees. No, they're, they're, uh, they're just contractors. Okay, so the, I mean, yeah. what, what do they say? I mean, if, if you were to say I have that, – that's why – yeah, we've talked about this, and, and Carl and I have talked about it. The the difference is if, uh, if say for instance, somebody comes in, uh, uh, Maddie Maddie Weber and I decide somebody drops us a bunch of dough, and we go, guess what? We're gonna build five houses, and all of a sudden we have, you know, twenty people working there. We got three electricians, three of these guys, and we're gonna pay them not cash, or even if we even if we paid cash, wherever we pay, but we're not, not we're not trying to not count anything. But we're going to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, a check to uh, either your, yourself as you know Matt Weber, and by the way, uh, and at the end of the year, I'm going to give you a 1099, which means you're responsible for all your own stuff. Okay, if I do that, the government is not going to pick Maddie up. Even what I'm trying to say here is there's a difference between what the the labor guys are doing, what they're asking, yeah. and oh by the way, the real follow the money part. The IRS is not going to know that Matt, and in fact, worked six months for us as a carpenter, and he's paying his taxes. He's not cheating. They're not going to know that till January, right? Yeah. They're also not going to know next year if we can his ass until the next January when they don't get a check or estimated payments. Yeah. So actually, I mean, I've always thought now, and you can, you know, be the professor. Feel free to criticize. When the economy is actually really growing, which I don't think it is now at all, uh, if it is, it's always growing faster than the, your your numbers will tell you they are. Because the people that aren't counted, I think more people are being hired to build houses and stuff that you don't know they're there until the end of the year. And that's why they have that huge adjustment come January. And then the ne- when the economy is going lousy and people are getting laid off, I think there's more people getting laid off than the numbers tell you. So I think the the the, the up, ups and downs in the economy are actually more more accelerated than people think because of the inability to count the people on 1099. I'm not even going to the people that are doing cash because clearly, if if you could get somebody if you if you need an electrician on a Saturday and the guy says I only work for cash and you really need the guy you're going to find the cash right and, and you're going he's going to dodge. You can't do that with more than one or two people. It blows your whole business up. And so, uh, unless you get somebody who pays you in cash, you know. Well, there's a guy. There's a guy that uh, told my mother-in-law he was on speakerphone and <laughs> he was going to fix the chimney. I don't think he actually did anything. He, I think they just kind of like pretended they were doing some work, selling her the idea that the thing's going to fall. I try to tell her that, but uh, anyway, um, he told her on the phone that uh, he was talking about how she could pay, and this is in New York. Apparently, a licensed contractor, and he said, "Well, if you pay in cash, I won't charge you tax." <laughs> and I looked at my mother-in-law, and she looked at me, and I was like, and I whispered to, I whispered to her, I mouthed the words, 
he's ripping you off. <laughs> yeah. Well, New York, do you have tax on services? We don't hear, do we, Manny? Good question. I don't know. I don't think we do. But if, if you if you go to a lawyer and he charges six hundred bucks, he doesn't add sixty bucks to it. We don't have <laughs> we don't have tax on services here. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny because uh, uh, I was telling her the entire week that he's just scamming her. I don't think he's going to do anything to Jimmy. And I go, Mom, you can't see what he's doing up there, and have him take a picture before and after of his work. And she didn't. And I think she, he ripped her off. Well, that's when you say, hours. I'll go check it out before and after. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a three-story house, so you're going to hey, be probably in, about 100, 100 If you're in shape in to air. do some downhill skiing, you can go up on that ladder, bud. <laughs> well, they won't let you on the ladder because it's a safety issue and you're not uh, licensed under their policy. So well, that's, when you, on the ladder. that's when you decide you want to meet your neighbor and you go into their, their top floor and you look over. <laughs> see, see, Manny, how well, you, you have to coach these you professors. Still, you can't. You still can't see into the 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 uh, uh, fireplace because you're on the the neighbor's roof and you're looking at the top of the roof. So you can't the, even see. Right, but if the guy sees you looking at him up there, at least at least he's got to be there <laughs> once in a while. But that was pretty funny when uh, our our facial expressions when he said that out loud was pretty funny. It was pretty telling. Do we have to give? Uh, our, our, our friend from uh, Utah here, Matty, a little uh, how to be sneaky in the city lessons. We have somebody watching the guy. Do you work only on Sunday mornings? Yeah. So uh, no <laughs> inspectors to see anything? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is my students from Utah, we analyzed restaurant um, cleanliness grades in New York City of all the restaurants. We had this data set. And we had them – I had them uh, uh, aggregate the, the restaurants by grade – and we calculated about 85% of restaurants in New York City get an A grade. Now, I've been, and I picked out some of the restaurants that had A grades in that data set because we spent um, the summer here a couple times. And I, and I told the students, there is no way that restaurant got an A grade because this bathroom was disgusting. The next question is, what's happening, right? Maybe food or cash kickbacks to those inspectors. Or they know the day they're coming and they clean it up. Yeah, maybe that's too true too. But th- those inspections are supposed to be random, right? Well, right. But you're not you're not going to have some guy. I don't think even in New York, you're not going to have an inspector come in, see the bathroom is a disaster, and give you an A. I mean, there's no eighty six percent of the restaurants in that data set had A's. I'm saying, but I, I, there's there's some way where the, you you know they're coming. I, they yeah. may be crooked, but they're not that. E- either, either way, either way. That inspection yeah. is pointless because most of the time, when the inspector's not there, if they think the inspector's coming this day and they're going to clean up the bathroom for the inspector, the rest of the time it's dirty. So that it, that right there alone indicates that well, these inspections are a waste of money as, as and a, a loss of efficiency. As a guy who's a big fan of free markets and, and laissez-faire capitalism, uh, I think you, you're you a little younger than me, but I'm going to say in, when I was a kid... The single biggest issue in virtually any family when you went on the road is your mom saying, I don't care where we stop for lunch, but they better have a clean bathroom. <laughs> you know, know, in Utah, when, in Utah out west, where they don't, I don't think they do this. I mean, they, they do inspections, but for the most part, every restroom you go into in Utah on your way to Vegas, you have these Maverick gas stations and they have these nicely tiled bathrooms, and they're, they're really clean. But, man, I'll tell you, when you're driving down the Garden State Parkway, 
do not stop at a gas station and use the bathroom. You might as well just go in the woods because they haven't cleaned the thing in 20 years. Well, the guy who, who revolutionized, and by the way, he's, he's long dead, but his place is doing pretty good, is Ray Crack. Yeah. What Ray Crack did was no matter where you went in any McDonald's, the bathrooms were spotless. When he gave an inspection to a place, he'd walk in the door, he wouldn't even say, hi, I'm Ray Crack, he'd walk right into camp. <laughs> he'd well, not- he, he didn't go to the Salt Lake City, uh, 300 South, 700 East. Uh, McDonald's because it had a nasty bathroom. He would he would <laughs> knock on the door and he'd walk right in the girls' bathroom. Yeah, not not yeah. to see anybody, but if, and if that thing was not clean, it was hell to pay. Well, yeah. you know, I think I think the reason why that might be is because the taxes are so high in a place like New Jersey, and New York, that margins are a lot thinner than they would be otherwise, and so you kind of have to like, all right, we're not going to hire the person because individually cleaning a bathroom doesn't cost much, but over the course of a year. If you have 20 of these establishments, if you own 20 gas stations, 20 fast food restaurants, it's a way to cut costs. And I think somebody out there listening, I've, I've posed this to a lot of people in my classes. How about somebody invent uh, a bathroom that you install in a business like you would install a dishwasher? You slide it in, you hook it up, and then every 30 minutes, it auto cleans itself like a dishwasher. And you can do that for a house too. It dries itself. Having four kids, yeah, it dries itself. Everything. Same thing in a in a house. Go over to Lowe's, pick out a bathroom you like, have it installed in your house, and then when you have triplets and two of them are boys and they pee everywhere, push the button. Bathroom spotless, like a inside of a dishwasher. Well, I mean, why why stop with the with the walls? Do with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Have them sit. They have a drive a drive through for them. (laughs) You know. Well, I, I tell you, I'll tell you. There have been times. Uh, I'm sure, Mister Mister Weber, when uh, his, his little buddy Venkman was uh, walking around the neighborhood, there were times you wanted to send him through a uh, on a rainy, muddy day. You want to send him through the car wash on the way in, weren't there, Matty? Oh yeah. I mean, Audrey, Are you talking about Doctor Venkman? No, that's the, what he's named after. <laughs> Audrey's poodle, I and mean, she has to hose her down like three times a day out in the backyard. She'd love to have a little uh, poodle wash coming in. <laughs> anyway, oh, that'd be great. So, Hal, yeah, what? Uh, there's a uh, there's a conflict in in, in, the, in always in the numbers. It seems to me that uh, and we're now we're at this point where there's a lot of people that really want the Fed to ease up. Easing up means you go back to a three percent, two and a half percent, two percent number, which they've gotten used to, which puts the valuation of assets, you know, their assets and everybody's assets uh, at a certain level. And other people are saying when you do that, all you're doing is driving these prices up, and the rest of the people can't deal with it. And oh, by the way, we can't do that, which which takes your valuations valuations down. I mean, there's the, that really is the conflict, right? It's between people on one side and people on the other, and uh, yep. and uh, and there's a lot of people that are on, on both sides. I mean, there's a lot of people that have a a, a sizable four hundred one k or an IRA. I mean, we have some here at PTI that uh, you know they're 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 going to bitch about. Uh, you know the bre- restaurant price going up, or or the price of uh, gasoline going up, or whatever it happens to be, but they also don't want the Fed to go to a ten percent where their four hundred one k goes from a million dollars to eight hundred or five hundred or lower worse. So I mean, it's the, the Fed has put themselves in a pickle, and, it, and, it, and it's a they made the mistake right now. Whatever they do, hell, I honestly don't know what they should do tomorrow or the next day, but. Uh, they made the mistake that people from 1981 or 82 said we were never going to make again. And actually, they've done it several times since then. 
because it, it, one of the best lines ever from Milton Friedman is, don't forget that the, 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 the greatest feeling in the world for an economy is the outset of inflation. Everybody thinks they're getting something for nothing, and it turns out you don't. Because when it starts to happen, especially if you're somebody that raises their rates, I mean, Procter & Gamble, Pepsi, how many people in a row, Home Depot, have said, guess what, we were able to raise prices more than our inputs. More, and, and we still have, I won't say stupidos, but uh, people who maybe should read a little more, they'll say that the, the beneficiary to this is labor. Labor's never the beneficiary. You're, you're, you're never... You, there are people, young people now, uh, Hal, that I listen to on TV once in a minute, I shut them off as soon as I can, that are convinced during the entire 68 to 82 fiasco that somehow labor, labor made out. No, they didn't. They <laughs> yeah. were not even on the same planet. The, the biggest... my, mom was, my mom was a single mom, and she worked three jobs. And we had occasionally take out food stamps during that time period. We didn't make out. We did not make out. And a lot of my friends were in the same boat. So well, not only... labor, labor, does not, labor does not win when there's inflation. And, and the, the part that, that nobody mentions, uh, I don't think I've, I've ever once heard this, and... And uh, whatever talk, talking head radio or, or TV is the biggest winner is government, and not so much this time. Although I'm going to say I'm going to go into this. I'll, I'll research this on break. Back back in Dud Day when you know, Ronald Reagan saved the world, according to everybody, they used to have, they used to have tax brackets. What every like couple thousand bucks, right? Yeah. What there were like was there twenty some tax brackets or there, there were a lot of tax brackets and I think they were shrunk down to maybe three by the uh, you know we got down to three I think we're more than three yeah. now I'll check that on the break but yeah. I think we're back up to six so yeah I think we are I say that's the number yeah. so I mean I yeah. for what people are sitting there going well, I don't know what the hell this guy's talking about well if you were making twelve grand in nineteen say ten grand in nineteen sixty eight and by nineteen eighty two you were making Say the inflation we had a, we had a double over those periods of times, but say you went up sixty percent, so now you're making 60, 16. Well, at at uh, ten thousand, your tax rate might have been fourteen percent, but now at sixteen, it might be twenty percent. Yeah. So the difference is, even though you think that you picked up sixty percent after tax, you didn't. So so the the money was worth the same. Say if it was exactly the same, the ten to the sixteen, the bigger share now goes to the government. Government's a yeah. huge winner in inflation. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the That's people up five days. If you're up thirty-two, be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is $7.99 
find on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, we're based Stacks and Jacks. I'm Matt Weber, the board. SP Futures up 7. SP Futures up 38. So we're tentatively up here. Ahead of Powell, Powell's con- Chairman Powell's comments in front of the Senate today. Dow Futures up 24. We're Europe muted there as well, but positive. DAX up 13.1%. FTSE up 27.3%. CAC run up 5.1%. So again, positive, but very narrowly. Uh, we're in over to Asia, a little bit of a mixed bag. We've got the Nikkei up 71.2%, Hang Seng down 68.3%, Shanghai up down 37, it's a full 1%. Hang Seng has gone from uh, 14.3 in the low to like 23.5 on the high, now back down to 25. And we're going to ask the professor to comment on, uh, on what, what it's like to uh, investing over there and what we should, what people should be concerned about. Yesterday, again, a very muted day, Dow up 40, S&P up 2, Nasdaq down 13, so let's say damn near flat. Uh, bonds down five basis points, three point nine three. The bond down six basis points, two point six seven. Japan stuck stuck at point five zero, which is the highest the government allows it to go. Uh, oil down forty six cents, eighty bucks exactly. Uh, Brent down forty six bucks, eighty five seventy two. So oil's actually up from like seventy six in the last couple of weeks, so it's creeping up. Natural gas up five cents, two sixty one. We've got gold down thirteen bucks, eighteen forty one. Could not hold that eighteen fifty number yesterday. Silver down thirty one cents, twenty one eighty two. Copper down six cents, four oh two. We've got crypto up a buck, Chuck. Twenty two thousand three eighty, and we have the, the U.S. dollar is uh, now it's actually up a little bit. I uh, was unchanged earlier. Up, up the, so the pounds down at one oh six six, and the euro is one one nineteen nineteen. It has been over one twenty for a while, so it's actually uh, point. That's a 0.3 percent move in the uh, in the pound. So a little bit, of, a little bit of an uptick in the dollar today, which was taking gold down as well. Matty, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We had an earlier crash on the Kennedy inbound just before division that has the uh, Kennedy all jammed up. If you're coming in from O'Hare, it's uh, over an hour into downtown now. That crash has been cleared, <clears throat> but. Uh, it was affecting the express lanes on the inbound side and the uh, actual Kennedy itself just before division. So still some resulting congestion from that earlier crash. Outbound side looks normal. Inbound Eisenhower, uh, traffic building steadily, but no accidents to report. Same for the Stevenson. Only other crash in the area 
is down south. Tri-State I-294 at I-80 there, uh, northbound side just before the Thornton uh, Quarry, there is a uh, crash that's causing delays. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, lots of sunshine, but colder temps, a high of 40 today. Right now it is clear and 35 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 75. Right now it's clear and 74. In sports, Bulls and Suns were both off. They're both back in action tomorrow night. Bulls are in Denver. The Suns host Oklahoma City. Blackhawks played last night. They blew out the Senators 5-0. Coyotes were off. Chief. So, uh, Al, bear with me for a second here um, because I have all kinds of stuff I just I kicked up here in terms of tax brackets. Well, I'll do the tax brackets first. Then I'm going to ask Matty Weber. When he's not here, all I do is see all these sports things, and I don't have a chance to ask him, so I store them all up. So the one day he's here, i got to ask him all these questions. The federal tax brackets, these are for single filers. This is after your deductions and stuff. Uh, 10% is uh, 0 to 10-2. 12% is 10-2 to 41. Now it's 22%, 41 to 89. There, therein lies the killer, is right there. Uh, when I say killer, you don't want... If you were to take somebody who's making... Uh, and help, I'll pine in on this. Somebody's making like forty-five grand uh, and has a family. Now his, his taxes, I mean uh, forty grand. And his taxes uh, are going to be twelve percent. Now, if you throw a, a thirty percent inflation on this dude, and and, and his, say his employer gives him <clears throat> a thirty percent raise, which is not happening to pretty much anybody, but if it did, now he's up to fifty-two. All right, so for now, on the next <clears throat> uh, twelve grand, he's going to be paying twenty-two percent and not twelve. Plus, if he doesn't have any insurance, I think Obamacare kicks out at 50 as well, doesn't it, Al? You're on your own over 50? So now all of a sudden, his, 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 uh, I'm going to say the dude, if inflation takes him from 40 to 52, he's, he's down on the deal if he's paying his own hospitalization. Because now all of a sudden people think he's making something at 52. He drops out of all these uh, insurance brackets, and, and now his tax rate goes up 10%. I think he's down on the deal, Hill. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and sounds, about, sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but here's my question. I, I actually, I actually figured that out when I was a kid. I'd remember, I would uh, work with my parents at the Lewiston bus terminal. My stepfather, my mom, and my parents had me fill up my paycheck. And what I did is I checked the, the tables, the payroll tax tables that they used to have, the the binder, and I would um, adjust my hours according to how much. Uh, I could maximize my net pay. I, I mean, I wasn't going way over, way under. I was just kind of like trying to find out, all right, I get an extra $10 if I drop down this tax bracket. If I drop <laughs> down this... I actually did that, seriously. And, you know, instead of working 20 hours a week, I'd work 19 hours a week so that I had the, the most... I was maximizing my after-tax uh, earnings when I was 18 years old working with my parents. Matt, does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me that he's doing it. <laughs> Just saying. Um, I was a different kind of cat in high school, man. Uh, when has when that changed exactly? What's that? When did that change, or did it? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I was working for my parents, and I would, you know, do the deposits when they were on vacation. I opened up the store, I shut down the store, and then when I, it came to making my paycheck out, I look at the, the the tax tables and I just figure out, all right, if I do twenty hours a week this week, then I got to pay. Th- I get this after tax. If I do 19 hours, I get a little bit more. So I would uh, always do that. I never ripped my parents off. 
But I was always looking for that amount where my net, net uh, taxes, uh, my income net of taxes was highest. Well, but then the beauty of it was if you work 40 hours a week for 8 or 10 weeks like I did for the school board, and they're paying you as if you're making that for the year, well, yep. then you, then you yeah. get the big check come spring, and you had money for beer for the spring semester. And the great thing about that is the government gets an interest-free loan. Yeah. Well, anywho, so Matt, there's a question here. Who's the uh, the best uh, team? Uh, which one is this? The NBA team. These guys think that the 1985-86 Boston Celtics were the were the best starting five with uh, the Dennis uh, Johnson, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge, and Robert Parrish. Yeah. Now, how do you contrast? They must it? be very good if I can remember that when I was three years old. Yeah. Well, Bill Walton was their sixth man. Yeah. They had uh, Scott Wedman and uh, Gary. Uh, Team was awesome. Because what's his name? He just retired. Hamilcheck, right? Um, I think he. I don't know if he had just retired, but he was certainly retired. Yeah. I think he'd been retired for a while. Now, what do you make of the? Uh, for for years, you know, because nobody even remembers this. Cause, uh, for years, the considered the greatest the greatest team ever put together was the sixty seven seventy sixers. With uh, see that one's obviously way before my time. It, but you'll remember the names. They had a. Uh, Will Chamberlain, Wilt, of course. They had Hal Greer, Hall okay. of Famer, uh, Luke Jackson, who was one of the original bust bust the uh, backboard in half kind of guys, and the other forward. He was he was a monster. He, he was like a Dennis Rodman type, only he was way bigger. He was this huge man. And then uh, Wally Jones, and uh, like I said, Chet Walker. And I, out of all the players that I thought was one of the best players in the NBA ever, it somehow never even gets spoken of as a Hall of Fame candidate or anything. Was Chet Walker? And I don't know why he... I think he was really his own man. He went off to be a producer. He was maybe his own man early or something, but he just never... Everybody liked him as a teammate, but he just never went anywhere in terms of accolades, and yet watch the guy play. Man, I mean, uh, Oscar Robertson said one day he was better than Elgin Baylor. He goes, he was bigger, better on defense. <laughs> you know, he said he was a fantastic player. Nobody, nobody talks about him. Anyway, but he, that team would... He considered one of the best bowls of all time. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Well, Wilt was... Uh, you know, winning team what was on was a you know was it was a real team. I mean, it was still to this day. I mean, I don't know. If there's is there anybody in the gene pool that's anywhere near like that guy in any sport? No. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I was reading last night uh, how many he, he won like the high jump and the broad jump and something else in college three years in a row, and he was a mid range runner at that size. How did how did he even do that? I mean. I mean, he wasn't a sport. well. What one of his strides was at least I don't know ten feet. Yeah, it was it was. Yeah. They uh, they were worried about him because he couldn't shoot free throws. They were worried about him taking a running leap, jumping from the free throw line, and stuffing it from the free throw line so they outlawed <laughs> him. Would he, would he even have to do that? He could just kind of like drop it in, right? Well, he, was, he said he, his, his reach was 9-4, so when he just reached up, yeah. he was like a, a third of the way up the net. Yeah. Kind of like Randy Johnson throwing a left-handed fastball at you. Oh, yeah. Well, he lets the thing go from, what, 40 feet? <laughs> By the time he, he stretched out. Uh, oh, Matty, I want to hear both of you guys. What I am, I am you know, as you know, I'm not all that anxious about the pro sports these days, but I'm real excited about baseball this year. I think this pitch clock is going to re- re-energize my ability to, to last past the seventh inning in baseball games. It's making a huge difference in these spring training games. I mean, if you watch, if you've watched any of the spring training, I mean, the the pitchers got to get it and go within twenty seconds. The batters got to be in the box and ready within eight seconds. Otherwise, it's a ball or a strike, respectively. And um, the ball's being put in play, 
and the shi- the the lack of shift uh, is uh, has been great as well. Uh, more where you know more balls are put in play. Um, it's it's the rules are are great so far. The Would shift the defense is no longer allowed to shift like it used to. Correct. You have to have um, three outfielders in the grass, and you have to have four out, four infielders on the dirt, two on left of side of second base, two on the right side of second base. Wow. Okay. So you can't you can't bring an outfielder in. Yeah. In like a bunning situation, you can bring them in, but they got to be in the grass. Um, you know what that sounds like, Manny? Sixteen inch softball with the girls batting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the players want to know. Hey, would you would you brought when you played we had a league we played in. There was two girls on each team, and uh, you, the outfielders couldn't come in past the grass for the uh, when the girls were up. Oh wow! So I don't think Major League Baseball necessarily wants to hear that, do they, Manny? My brother, my brother's not very in favor of the rule changes, and I told Ryan that um, the w- baseball has to tr- uh, attract younger viewers, and younger viewers are used to like click. They don't want to watch movies; they want to watch TikTok videos. They want quick, and you can't have a game lasting five hours. So, by the time um, by the time they are forty, we're going to be long dead. So, baseball is going to make this adjustment to attract them; otherwise, they're going to die. Well, the, the beauty of the beauty of baseball, in my in my opinion, again, this is this is why I love softball because in, in an hour it's nothing but action, right, Manny? I mean, every time you throw the ball in there, damn near somebody whacks it, and people are doing something. Yep. I mean, yeah. it, 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 there's a lot of play. You're going to get whatever position you're playing, you're going to get several balls a game, and it's fun to play because baseball. Well, it sounds like it sounds like when they instituted the shot clock in college basketball because Oregon State, man, when they got the lead, like twenty two, twenty one. They went into four corners and just took 15 minutes off the clock. Who was the, they won uh, the game? Well, so far, two weeks in the spring training play, the uh, games are down 23 minutes from three three hours and uh, uh, average game length last season was three hours. Uh, this, these spring training games are down to two hours and 37. That's minutes. that is spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Tennis tennis did the same thing. They they sped up play. And well, it, I think it's still as popular as it was. But also, I mean, the, the, the beauty of baseball, my, my brother who can't, he's not big on, on the way major leagues are set up these days, but, uh, but my Dan's been a really good softball player his whole He's still playing. He's 60-something. Uh, but he, he goes, you got to go once in a while just to see how hard it is to catch and, re- and how, how hard it is to play defense. I mean, there is no such thing as a routine ground ball in major league baseball. At least not for us there wouldn't be. I mean, it, 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 that the beauty of the game is in seeing how the defense and the base running all happens. If that doesn't happen, you know, if if you just have every strikes out all the time or walks, that's that's where all the entertainment is, don't you think, man? I mean, in softball, I mean, who, who, nobody wants to watch me either strike out or walk people, right? Agreed. Yeah. yeah, and the game because the shifting was so prevalent, and they knew exactly where a guy was going to hit the ball ninety percent of the time. It be, it became. Uh, and then plus, the pitchers are, are revving up, taking 45, 50 seconds between each pitch so they can throw as hard as they can yep. as opposed to getting it and throwing it. Um, it became either strikeout or home run, and that was it. Yeah. Otherwise, guys were out. I mean, it was, it, it, it was brutal, it was station to station. And now yeah. with uh, the shift rules, with the, the pace of play, so pitchers can't just get it and throw it or you know, wait and wait and wait and throw as hard as they can. They actually have to get it and throw it. it balls are being put in play. Stolen base percentages are way up. As far as people attempting to steal bases now, um, I think strikeouts will be down. Uh, 
as a result, and then uh, and, and excitement will be up. You'll see more doubles and triples. You'll see more, you know, like I said, balls in play, double plays, the stuff that's exciting, stolen bases. Would you uh, would you agree with me? I, I have one slight criticism of what they did this year, and not not a criticism necessarily, but I think I think that this speed up and play is going to be such a major change. I don't know that they had to do the shift rule the same year, right? I think that this would have been almost a major enough change where you didn't have to do the shift thing. But I would have waited a year. I would have done them the same year. Yeah, they could have They could have certainly separated those. So Theo Epstein was a big part of this. Um, and, you know, he's, he's hired as a consultant for uh, MLB to basically, you know, how do we fix the game? Because viewership is going down every year. You know, length of these games is going up every year. And it's probably, uh, you know, a direct correlation to people, stop, you know, not watching. And uh, he said, we need the ball put in play more, and we need the game, you know, we need the pitchers to get it and throw it. And so those were the two fixes right there. And then for are Satan, the clocks Are the clocks uh, visible to everybody on the field? Um, so the they clock, are. The clock? Yeah, so they have, the pitch clock is, is visible to everyone on the field like a shot clock in basketball. Um, they're trying not to put it, make it visible on TV because it, they found it was very distracting. So over the first week, okay. week of spring training games, they were having it visible on TV, and they found that all the viewers watching TV were just watching the clock. <laughs> <laughs> and so now they, they've either gotten they've gotten it out of sight of the TV camera, or they put it like in the top left corner, really small, like like a game yeah. clock watching a basketball game. When I uh, umpired <clears throat> girls softball, and I would get there early to watch the pitchers warm up. Man, if I had a couple of pitchers that weren't like even close to the be- the the plate, um, I'd get in there the first um, pitch. I establish a pretty wide strike zone. I didn't establish a strike zone that was too high or too low, but man, I'd give him like five inches off the plate, and it had to be <laughs> both pitchers. I'd give him five inches off the plate and two inches on the inside, and the the managers are like screaming for balls and strikes, and I just kind of stand there like ignoring them. And then during between between innings, I could hear the coaches, the managers saying, "Hey, you got to swing the bat. You got to swing the bat. You got to swing the bat. This guy's got a really wide strike zone. Swing the bat." And what it turned into was people hitting the ball and running the bases. And it wasn't ball, 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 take your base. Ball, 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 take your base. So, but if I had good pitchers, or I had one good pitcher, I had a, I had a pretty good strike zone. But if I had two bad ones, man, that thing was wide, and they had to swing the bat. So how's, how's the kid gonna hit it five inches out of, out of? They had to swing it. They had to swing it, man. They had, had to swing it. You know what I mean? I was gonna walk him. He had to dive over the plate to swing it for God's sake. <laughs> exactly. He had to swing that thing, man. Right, they expl- weren't gonna get free pass to first base. Right, explain to me, Professor, how a kid with a twenty-nine inch bat hits wood five inches outside. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, was he? A, they gotta he swing had, it, man. He has to step on the plate and go get it, or what? <laughs> anyway. Yep. God. It never was too high or never too low, but it was. I, I was pretty generous on the outside. Now, did you ever do the thing? Uh, we had uh, Tom Shannon used to come on the show, and he was at uh, his kid was playing little league, and the one coach is giving the umpire no one to grief, right? So the umpire the umpire goes over and sits down next to the coach, and he goes, "Play ball." And the coach goes, "What are you doing over here?" <laughs> and he goes, "If you can see it so much better here, I want to do a good job. I'll call up from here. Get out of here." <laughs> well, I don't. I don't do that. I just kind of like. Look at the coach, really, with a blank stare, and I go, "I hear you, coach. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep, I just didn't see it that way. You must have had a better angle." God, well, I, I don't, I don't get, I don't get into conversations with coaches because you're not going to win the debate. You're not going to win the argument. They're passionate, and I think the best umpires are the ones that don't respond. 
Well, they don't yell. At, the best umpires, best referees are the ones that don't yell at the coaches, don't have anything smart to say. They just kind of like take it and accept it yeah. and go, thank you for the criticism. I appreciate it. I'll try my best next time. Yeah, thank you for the pointers. You know, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Can we play ball now? Can yeah. we play ball now? <laughs> hey, Ali, uh, I got – we got some some time left. We got to get back into some of this a little bit, even though it's 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 kind of the same story. But but it is. We have Carl was talking the last week or two. I don't know if you, he's been talking for a while. That one of the things that uh, uh, Congress does is they come out with this uh, estimate of budgets going forward. And uh, one of the things they do is they look at any kind of a bill that might have been passed, you know, whatever twenty years ago. And a lot of these bills have sunset clauses in them. When they're first passed, and uh, but they're always extended. But when he claims that when the Office of Budget people goes through by law, they have to go by the by the net wording of the bill. So when somebody says, "Okay, we're 2023," it looks to us like the 2027 deficit is going to be X. Actually, they there's probably 10, 20 programs in there that. They are saying are going to come off in twenty four or twenty five when everybody knows they're just going to get extended, but they can't anticipate that. So the budget estimate is always going to be the deficit's always be way less than it turns out to be. So that's why when either the Democrats or Republicans, when they come up with their their you know conjoined stupidity, where the uh, Democrats will actually not stupidity because it gets them back in office. So in terms of uh, uh, grease in their own hand, it's, it's probably very clever. The Democrats are going to put some huge spending bill out there, and they're going to say, well, guess what? At the end of the day, this isn't really spending. It's investment. It's going to be in infrastructure. It's going to be in, you know, whatever. Well, you know, whatever. Five, five, band, five band broad width for everybody or something. Oh, by the way, when everybody has five band, uh, the, the, the productivity is going to be so high that we're actually going to make money on this 10 years from now. And the Republicans going to be dumb enough to say we're going to lower taxes, but really that's going to make people so much more effective that we're going to, it's actually we're going to lower taxes and we're going to end up getting more money, which is just as stupid. So so when they, these guys put this together, they actually have to say, well, yeah, this bill is going to sunset in 25 when it never, when it never does. But I guess my question, Hal, when, when is all this going to clash? When is all this fact that they continue? I mean, the Fed is going to try and be Hawkish, but in reality, they're still supporting a, def- a budget that we we don't we can't support. So at the end of the day, question is why hasn't the end of the day come yet, and will it ever? I mean, there's a lot of people. But if you were to go on TV right now, or I would say, man, we can't keep doing this. The first thing some attractive, either male or female, of young age, is going to say, "Hey, you old grumpy fart, why hasn't it happened yet? You've been telling us this for five years, and it looks like we're doing okay." What? How do you respond to that? I mean, because obviously you and I know it's sit there and the numbers just keep piling up, and yet I don't know when the cliff is, or is there a cliff? I didn't mean, they think we can keep doing this. I, I, you and I think we don't. What, what, so far, they've been right. Well, I don't think they are right. I mean, they're, they don't feel it. When they're, I say right, they have a, when they I say they, right, they have a nice they, salary. Well, we they have, have a nice salary. They, they don't feel it. But, I mean, we haven't, we haven't collapsed. We haven't had a... A 1929 episode where all of a sudden they just it was like two trains on the same track. You know, all of well, a sudden I think the reason why that is because uh, we're still kind of like the reserve currency. Still, there's demand for dollars in international transactions. If we lose that, there's not going to be demand for dollars, and those dollars will end up back in the United States. So the Fed at that point will be competing 
with its previous self on printing new money. So that that could be a, a, a significant issue if we lose the everybody trading, most countries trading in uh, U.S. dollars internationally. But the people, the people that are saying that are doing very well. The people on the Today Show, they're they're doing very well. They get a, a nice salary that keeps uh, keeps ahead of inflation. But I'm telling you, for everybody else below the median income level, they're hurting. And well, we see uh, that. But why why do we not see? And I'm not about to. I mean, we have we have some people who think it'll end up being. You know, bayonets and bullets, which I, I, boy, sure hope it doesn't. But yeah. we're not even really seeing it. Even you would think that you would have some candidates, even if they don't go very far, that they would, we it would start out with that kind of a platform and just saying, "Hey, they keep telling you you're doing fine." You know, they're peeing on your shoes and telling you it's raining. I mean, you're not doing fine. I mean, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I never thought that it, it doesn't, it doesn't sell politically, Tom. Right? Well, uh, I mean, but if everybody sell their stuff, but if everybody have their sale pitch, but but, but if have their sale pitch, but how does how does how does the every Joe? I mean, I look at right now. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we, we're okay, but I don't, I don't look at myself ever thinking I'm going to walk in and pay seventy five grand for a new car. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll never do that. I mean, I'm so, never going to do it. So There's I'm saying no why? But I, but I, when I was, you know, twenty five, the thought I want to go buy a new car, I wouldn't bought one. <laughs> I mean, how does how does how do people take this and say thank you, sir? May I have another? I mean, a whole generation. Is it just you? Keep pushing people down and starts to feel like you're down all the time, or what? Well, every time I go on Twitter, I, I just see how hateful it is, right? You can't have a conversation with people because you have the people on the left, and you have the people on the right, and the people on the right insult the people on the left. The people on the right support the people on the right. The the left Twitter uh, people, they attack the people on the right, and then they support the people on the left. No matter what the news is, all they do is they parrot their, their gods the Republican gods, the Democrat gods, they parrot their talking points. No conversation is being had. So I just have to tune out. I, I wish I could turn off the wall of all those tweets, just turn it off and just tweet stuff for my class, tweet stuff that I want to talk about on the show. And that's just it. Because they're just so siloed and so dug in. They're in their World War One trenches. But they're not even talking about the right stuff. Bunch. But they're not talking about the right stuff. That's that's the issue. And a, and a, pol- and a politician just plays into that, right? Yep. The politician oh, yeah. d- divides and then promises the the their uh, audience stuff that's going to make their lives better. And the the same thing happens on the left. And all it's going to do is continue to divide the nation. And um, I think what's going to end up happening is the nation's going to be so divided. Blues are going to be in blue states. Reds are going to be in red states. And at that point. I think I, I'm not. I'm not asking for this. I'm not advocating for this. But at that point, is there a reason why the abusive relationship between red states and blue states should continue? You would want uh, an abusive wife to divorce an abusive husband, right? If you're a red state and you think the blue states are abusive, and vice versa, your blue state think the red states are abusive, why not voluntarily sever at that point? Well, you can still engage in trade. Well, we got a dash, but I would hope that one day somebody in some of the red states that thinks everything's swimming, they realize that they're getting nothing but money from the government where some of the blue states don't. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, nobody wants to look at the real numbers. I mean, the facts are way yeah. too boring. I'm, no, I'm not, they're, they're, they're siloed, man. They're siloed. SP Futures up one. Nancy up 12. Hey, I'll talk to you next week. You sound great on the, okay. the Zoom. We'll, 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 we'll make this perfect, and then we'll be good. We'll be right back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? 
I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.